Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by a special guest, Matt Wilson. Matt is the founder of Immortal Media and is widely considered one of the top digital marketing experts in the UK. Uh, and with over a decade of online marketing under his belt, Matt has managed to translate complex marketing jargon into understandable terms for thousands of small businesses, helping them generate more leads and more sales. Uh, he's also the uh, host and the organizer behind the really impressive Entrepreneurs Marketing Conference with up to 15 uh, 100 attendees expected this year. And so in this episode, we're going to be discussing how to overcome common marketing challenges and also sharing his experience from organizing the uh, the conference and promoting it. So really excited for this episode. Uh, and also, uh, I'll be speaking on Matt's stage at EMC uh, in September as well. So Matt, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to, to join me. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, man. That was a uh, that was a, a lavish intro there, so I'll try to live up to it. Thank you. <laughs> oh no, I'm confident that you will. So, um, start with a bit about uh, your journey in digital marketing. What have been some of the significant challenges or stressful periods that you encountered, and how did you overcome them? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, my journey into it was, you know, like just a, like a knowledge rabbit hole. Originally, I was working at yeah. a sales job in uh, in London at the time. We were selling. Uh, investments, loads of different investment um, uh, opportunities to investors. And we were calling up uh, a list of leads, let's call them a list of prospects that literally just had no interest in, in what we had. They had no idea who we were. They, it was just a classic purchase list, right? So immediately, my hatred for the marketing department uh, uh, back then was apparent. And all I did at that point, just very randomly, I love learning stuff and a bit of a sponge. And I just, I just, I remember having the conversation with the guy uh, who run the, uh, at the floor where I worked. And I said, how much do you pay for these, these leads, you know? And, and I can never, I'll never, never forget when he told me that he paid five pound for every name and number that was on this list. And, and obviously as someone that calls 200 of these people a day or try mm. attempt to try to get through to 200 anyway a day, I knew how bad the, the, the data was because when we did get hold of people, it would be like, who, who are you? How'd you get mm. my number? They'd be swearing, they'd be calling your names down the phone and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, you're paying five pound a day. Uh, five pound per person, sorry. No intent, no interest in in, in wow. what we do. That's mental. And I worked it out. I was like, okay, great. So so just me is a, that so just me is a thousand pounds a day. There was like forty guys on our floor and I'm doing the math. I'm like, my God, this is like surely there's got to be a better way. And that sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole of uh, of learning about marketing. Now back then, this is sort of twelve 13 years ago now. This was there was only Google. That was it. You know, back then that was all there was, Google ads. I started learning loads of stuff about how to run these Google ads if people search for stuff into Google and what to do, where to send them, what to offer them in exchange for their, so they actually give you their details. You're not just buying the details and all this sort of stuff. And just and just started to fall in love with it. I got really fascinated with it. And I, I approached the uh, uh, the manager there at the, at the sales floor at the time. And I said, look, I, I think I know a way to get you some better quality leads. Look, just just give me. A, you're spending all this money anyway. Give me a thousand pounds to run some ads, and let's just see if I can get like a better lead quality that comes through the door. And obviously, back then again, it's still fresh. This type of stuff. So 
we was getting that thousand pounds generated us about 150 to 200 leads i think it was so again roughly around the same sort of price right mm -hmm. maybe just over but these people have actually said they wanted to learn about all of these different types of investments that this financial advisory firm was was offering and um that that thousand pounds made them just over 50 grand back nice. then in sales right so 50x return on event which was just unheard of you know back then especially from what they were doing and the, the the data that they were buying so then you know they then just like were like how did you do that and i was sort of like i don't really know because again it was just i'd learned a little bit about it, it was a bit yeah. of a fluke right? i didn't know i just sort of tested some things out i hadn't i really got my like the marketing brain i have now it was literally just like i read how to do this and i did it and it sort of worked but anyway, they ended up giving me loads more money, so I ended up promoting more stuff for them, and then, um, you know, that's how I that's how I got started in it. You know, that's how I got started in marketing, and I just fell in love with it I, because I'm a, a very passionate salesperson. I love sales. The idea that this marketing here can work and actually help this over here sales just really fascinated me because I had the understanding of what's needed in sales. I could sort of get my head around marketing. I was like, what does what do the people before they buy need to hear before they even talk to a salesperson? And that's sort of like that little bit of psychology really helped me be a better marketer because I could put stuff in front of them knowing that it would help the sale later on down the line sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. I, I, I love the, the journey that you've taken us through there, like where you – well, you've highlighted like you saw the problem, right? You saw that pain and, and particularly because you'd seen it um, yourself as a salesperson. I think that for a lot of business owners and indeed heads of marketing and so on, they may not even see quite what the quality of that data looks like at the other end. And I think it's 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 easy to become blind to that. Right. And so even if you're not making the cause yourself, like for any anyone whose responsibility is to you know grow the business and increase leads and all these sorts of things, yeah, you need to be spending some time with your salespeople to really see what's that experience look like. You know, how many of the calls they're making are they getting good responses to, and and how bad can it be so that you can get a sense for that? I think that's really really powerful. Um, yeah, absolutely for sure. I mean, you've now like since doing that and then starting your own businesses, multiple businesses and helping loads and loads of organizations to sort out their own marketing, having yeah. done that internally when when you were uh, employed, like you have worked with so many uh, clients. What are the top challenges that you see most business owners, marketing leaders face with their marketing strategies? Uh, yeah, really good question. I mean, the, the, the first thing definitely, or the biggest, should we say, the thing that has the biggest impact on bad results and good results is is the offer. You know, whatever right. it is that they're going to market with, they're not clear on that. If you're doing lead gen, you know, normally it's a free offer. So people think like, it doesn't matter what it is. We haven't got to create an offer around something that's free because it's free. But you do, you know, that thing has got to be good. It's got to do a couple of different things. It's got to, first of all, qualify the audience. You know, if they do this free thing, are they potentially interested in what we've got? If not, and it doesn't qualify them in that way, then all you're going to do is generate a load of bad leads. So there's got to be some thought process in that. If you're going direct to sale and you're marketing product or, you know, straight to a off-page purchase, for example, it's the offer and, and what's what's around that product. Most people think that they've got a service or they've got a product that's a price 
let's say I've got a, I've got a service that's two grand, right? And what most people do is they just advertise that or they'll market that. It's like, yeah, you can, you can buy it. You can buy it this or hire us for this price and that's it. But that's not really an offer. That's just what the service costs. An offer is everything that's included around that. You know, so for example, uh, a, a, a really good makeup of an offer would be, can we include a bonus into this as well? If you get this today, you will also get that for free. Really good offer. Uh, you know, like um, electronics companies been doing this for years, right? Buy this 50 inch Samsung TV and get this sound bar absolutely free. Same thing. Um, is there some sort of high price, low price contrast that we can include in the offer? Um, was this price, now is this price, or for a limited time? If we can get urgency or scarcity into that offer as well, urgency is obviously time based. This is only available for the next week. Scarcity is unit based, right? We only have 10 of, 10 of these TVs available. If you can get both of those or one of those into the offer, it's great. And then also a guarantee. Guarantee is one of the most powerful parts of that as well. Because the offer, if an offer is really good, marketing becomes really easy, you see. Mm -hmm. So we can convert loads of people. A guarantee or a risk reversal. If it doesn't work, you get your money back or you've got a two-year warranty or whatever. So, so, that, so that's, what, that's definitely a big one is the offer. The offer isn't compelling enough to make someone want to buy now. Um, secondly would be, uh, the actual creative or way that they go about advertising, you know, a, a big problem that we see when people come into our agency, for example, and they hire us is that it's all referral based. A lot of the time when they come to hire an agency, it's referral based. When you get into really try to scale a business and grow, you've got to eventually spend money. It's no, it's no, it's no, uh, it's no uh, accident that the biggest companies in the world spend millions, if not billions, every year on marketing. There comes a point where you've got to spend money to acquire more customers, right? So, when that happens, a big problem is the messaging, the creative, what to put out in front of the market. Yeah. You know, is it video? If is it image? If if, if it's so, what does the image do? What does it represent? Does it grab attention? What's the call to action in the copy? Is it clear enough? Is it compelling enough? Is it intriguing enough to get someone to do the next thing? Um, I, I would say them two are like the biggest, you know, the biggest things really that, that people sort of struggle with. Once they can figure those out, if they've got enough um, knowledge to create a really good, engaging creative that moves people. Remember, marketing is just about getting them to move to the next step. You've got to think about marketing as a step-by-step -step process. First of all, they're going to see an ad. Then you've got to get them to click on the ad. That then moves them to your page. When they're on the page, you've then got to get them to do the next thing, which is to buy or to book a call or to inquire or to whatever it is you want them to do. And then from there, you've got to then close the sale and actually get it done. And you've got to think about it in that journey, like a user experience, a journey. And when you start doing that, Again, all of that stuff becomes a lot easier and, and people do struggle with that sometimes, you know. So I'd say there are a couple of the big ones. Nice. I love that. And I think that's something that I, I definitely identify with, both with my own businesses and with uh, other organizations I've worked with. Like um, those are, they're hard to get right. But also I think there's that weird balance between you need to get something out there and try it. And also, but on the flip side, it does need to be really good. And so you end up with like, I, I, I've been at equal op um, uh, opposite ends of uh, 
trying to be perfectionist about it and therefore never getting anything out yeah. versus at the other end going off oh, for say, right, fine, let's just get something out. And then we get it out and we go, I'm not sure that was even good enough. Like, I think, like, I think we know why it didn't work. How do you balance that? How do you make sure that you're actually getting stuff done that's both quality enough, but also gets done and out? And how much iteration and, and repeating and so on would you expect? You know, do you generally find like, do it right first time and it's right? Or do you feel like there's a lot of iteration? What's your experience of that? Yeah, a really good question. I mean, um, it, there's no right or wrong answer to that. A lot of it's personal preference, right? Like you just said, you can be a bit of a perfectionist. I'm not. I prefer to get stuff out just to get data through the door so that we can look at what to fix. One thing I've learned after, you know, over a decade of doing this now is that it's never going to it's never going to be a home run straight out of the bat. Well, maybe like 0.5% of the time. We've had a few where it's like, bloody hell, that works amazing straight away. But in all honesty, it never does. So now we know that. We're like, the first thing we've got to do is just get something out so we know what to test and optimize and fix. You know, because for for example, we've put an ad live that's that's generating leads for a client. A lot of the stuff we do is lead gen. And we, 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 we've got, a, you know, we've spent £100 in the first day, for example. We've got 10 leads. It's like, okay, that's £10 a lead for this client. Way too expensive. What is working well, first of all? And then what can we improve? And then we'll look at the, the all of the stuff. The first thing we'll look at is the actual ad itself. What's the click-through rate? How many people that are seeing it are actually clicking? Oh, that's actually really good. So we're getting really good click-through rate, which means we're getting a good cost per click. But the page where they're going where we're actually trying to capture their information, the conversion part, that's converting really, really low. So are there some tweaks there that we can make to the page? While we've only just spent £100, it's not a costly mistake yet. You know, It's not like we've wasted 10 grand mm. and figured out this doesn't work. We've only spent £100. And that's one of the best things that I love anyway about digital marketing because digital marketing gives you that feedback very, very quickly. A lot of you can see it. But also you're in complete control and you can start on very little budgets as well. So lots of people that listen in, depending on their size of their business, obviously, because a lot of people think marketing campaigns, they think TV, they think radio, they think print, which are all thousands of pounds, minimum yeah. thousands. And it's like, for instance, you take a two page spread out in a newspaper or whatever, that's going to cost you five grand to then figure out it doesn't work. And it's like, well, you know, I've spent five grand now. And also, it's very difficult to pinpoint what didn't work. Whereas with digital, because all of the data is there and presented to you, you know how much you've spent, you know how many people have seen it, you know how many people have clicked on it, you know how many people have gone to the page, you know how many people have given you their details. Immediately, you have that data, you have that feedback, so you can you can look at what to fix. So um, what we tend to do, going back to your original question, because I waffled a little bit there, was get something out to the best of our ability because based on what we know, which is quite a lot of what we'll work like, okay, looking based on what we know, this should work, but mm -hmm. we're not going to, you know, overanalyze it and obsess over it to try to make it something that never will be unless it's out because you can't get it to near perfection until it's out and running because right. that that is literally a one in 500, one in 1,000 chance that that's going to happen. So you might as well get it out to test and tweak to improve things afterwards. Nice. I, lo I love that. And I think particularly there are, there are two things that come up for, for me from that that kind of feel like, ah, like I, I then struggle with. So one is, I think, 
uh, and and one that you've over essentially overcome for me is you've got to see the process of setting up that marketing funnel that you know that that route to get your leads yeah. as a longer process as a journey not just through the creation of the first ad and the landing page and the lead magnet and the offer and so on but actually it's like no 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 that's iteration 1 the whole process involves we spend this amount of money, like hundred pounds. We test it. We then work out where in the um, in the flow it, it meets our targets or benchmarks versus perhaps what we've done before or what experts have told us, and then we iterate on those things to get them to work and so on. And so, for me, that firstly blows open the whole issue for a lot of business uh, owners and marketing leaders is seeing is putting so much emphasis on that first stage of the process that you kind of feel like. Oh, I'm spent. You know, it's taken it's taken us eight weeks to even get the first advert out and whatever. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I've had to move on to the next priority. Like, you know, sales is on fire. So yeah. I think that's the first thing. I think the 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 uh, obstacle that I sometimes have experienced and and seen this with clients as well is like, you know, you say, okay, I look at the the data and I can see, okay, we've got these leads coming through. It's a pretty good click through rate, but then the page that they're going to, they're then not taking action. How do you know or how can you make an educated guess as to whether is it an issue with the page that's not converting or actually is it that advert or the audience targeting that means that, yes, it gets you lots of clicks, but actually they're not the right people to then do? Because that's one of the challenges in uh, this type of digital marketing is you don't get to have the conversation. You know, it's not like being yeah. at an event, you know, sponsoring an event like EMC where you can be there as sponsor. And if you're talking to people, you know, whether are they the right people, like a short conversation helps you even identify whether the right audience and you can see at what point their eyes glaze over and they walk away. <laughs> so you can kind of get that, that live feedback, but you can't do that when they're just like visitors on a, on a, you know, a Google dashboard or whatever. So how do you make that judgment and, and balance that or, you know, yeah, no, no, there's a, there's a way to do it. So uh, again, like if you're getting loads of people, as long as, as long as when you read the ad or watch the video in the ad or whatever type of ad it is, you're like, yeah, this is talking to my audience, right? It's mm. literally in there. It's calling out accountants. If you're an accountant, for example, is on the, in the first line, it's like, you know, why, why would loads of people that aren't accountants be clicking on this first of all? Because the ad is doing a good job of qualifying them. And we are getting good amount of clicks but then the page isn't converting. If it was that example, I know it's the page. Right. If I was getting, if I was getting a low amount of clicks and a low opt-in rate, a lo like low conversion on the page, so a low amount of people are actually putting in their information as well, it's because my ad and my landing page aren't doing a compelling enough job to get that target audience to take the action that I want them to take. You know, so it's all it's, it's all looking at the data and there's just a couple of sort of like um, red flags, if you like, to spot what you've just mentioned there. Um, because remember, again, unlike other more traditional marketing uh, strategies like uh, print and TV and radio and stuff like that, we can target right from when we pick the audience that we're picking. We can be fairly specific there. Then we have an ad that only talks to hopefully our audience we want. So we've done two things there that have done a good job of actually making sure it's the right people seeing this. So then if we've got a good click-through rate on the ad, we know we've sort of done a good job. We're like, yeah, people are clicking on this. And then we're not getting the leads. We're, it's definitely a problem with the page. Yeah. So that's sort of how we'd go into looking at that. 
hope that's that awesome. I love I love that clarity and that's something that I've always really enjoyed from you Matt when I've seen you speak at events and we've chatted is your clarity on like you know you're you're very um actually process orientated and um uh, able to like simplify it down to it's either this or this and this is the route I'd go through and I think that's really empowering for um for business leaders because I think sometimes particularly marketing is such a um uh, huge space that it can quickly become quite complex and paralyzing for people when they're, they're kind of in this area. Overwhelming for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to, to that end or, or speaking to that, like we're kind of talking there using an example that's relatively simple, right? It's we're talking about an ad on say Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. And then that then points to some kind of landing page with an offer either directly of a product or service or of a lead magnet, whatever. How about something more sophisticated? Like you run and host the Entrepreneurs Marketing Conference, done it for a, a few years now. Like this event's going to be your biggest uh, event ever coming up in September. 1500 people got some amazing speakers lined up. Like that's a complex marketing, you know, uh, asset, like campaign process, whatever. How do you approach that? Can you kind of outline that process when you're breaking that down to to make that something that's manageable for you and how uh, how that then, you know, when, when you kind of take what are the lessons that we can take from that for, for other businesses? Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, mate, the strategy is like pretty much the same. You know, the fir first thing you've got to do is figure out what problem is you solve. You know, what problem does an event solve? Well, our event, EMC, it solves the problem of, Digital marketing is a very, like we just mentioned, digital marketing is a very complicated sort of realm, right? There's so many different things that you can learn. And it's like, what ones do you actually need to do? You know, what, what, what ones is it worth actually looking at? And, and, and also Facebook ads, for example, if I pick, oh yeah, Facebook ads is something that I think my business should, then it's like, okay, then learning from somewhere, how do I learn how to do all of this, right? So there's a big problem there that the event solves because what I do is I bring together experts like yourself and experts in other areas of digital marketing and business and all that sort of stuff to get them to teach these guys it. So I lead with that big problem. And then what I try to, I do it a bit more creative, obviously, than most people can, because we like to do wacky videos and all of this sort of stuff, right? So then my, my goal then becomes, how do I create a little story around that? How do I create a script that's going to speak to those people? And the first thing that we've got to do is a paint a picture of the problem lots of people don't know they have a problem until you tell them they've got a problem so the first thing and this is a, that's just by the way that's a really good sort of fundamental thing to remember in marketing it's like one of the best ways to grab attention of your target market is to call out their problem you know is to is to say are you struggling with this do you struggle with this for example right that's a, that's, that's a good, good little line do you have this problem because then that speaks to them because although they're not conscious of it, they, a lot of the time they know it's there and they're like, oh, yeah, actually, I do. And then they sort of pay attention. The hardest thing to do in your marketing is to grab a bit of attention. So actually get them to read the message that you're trying to that you're trying to deliver to them. So we, we, we just come up with creative ways like that to talk to our target audience, which are small to medium business owners that, that know that they need to do more to market their business and grow their business using things like Facebook, TikTok, Google, you know, all of this type of stuff. And then we just present it to them in a way that, that you know, that resonates with them. 
and, and, and drives them to a page with a really good, compelling offer. The offer, again, it's like three days. It works out less than, you know, 300 quid, which is less than 100 pound a day, you know, to learn from the guys that I get on stage, you know, which who are just geniuses in their field. It's like, which is a business expense as well. It's like, becomes a bit of a no-brainer, right? It's like, mm. it's, plus you get to network and socialize with like like-minded people. That's a big benefit of live events. Live events have helped me. I've been going to live events for over a decade now. Every single year, go to a live and and it's not necessarily what I learn at the events. It's who I meet. I've met mm. some of my now best friends at events. Right? It's crazy, actually. I just when I've just said that, I've just thought, bloody, I actually met him at an event. You know, and we're just really close now. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I I think I like that. As you say, it's it's a very similar approach. It's it's working out what your who the ideal customer is, what's going to be the offer, and, and as you say, calling out that that problem, and then looking at the data, right, to to making sure it works. What about um, if I take specifically that audience, um, sort of approaching the the kind of business owners, small medium size, etc. I think one thing that a lot of businesses struggle with is is that targeting. How do you reach those people because i think particularly if you go industry specific you know you mentioned earlier like calling out accountants saying are you a, an owner of a accounting firm or are you an accountant sometimes that's easier right because it's you know there's certain places that they hang out and actually it's it, perhaps even harder when you kind of grow cross industry what's what have you found kind of worked for you when you're when you're looking at really reaching that target audience of business owners uh, and uh, those small medium-sized businesses like or or more generally when you're working with clients and the the audience is a bit trickier to to quite pin down how, how do you make that work i mean yeah so most of the platforms now you know like digital platforms social media platforms for example mm -hmm. facebook instagram search engines like google have great targeting capabilities mm -hmm. anyway but again like you said it's very very google's easier on social media, it's very, very hard. If I just want to go after accountants, for example, Facebook know based on behaviors and interests that that person might be an accountant based on softwares that have downloaded, website has been to all this sort of stuff. But it's very, very hard to like really pinpoint it. It doesn't mean you still can't do it for B2B because these guys are still on Facebook, obviously. You've just got to do a better job in the ad to call those people out and more importantly, tell everybody else that sees it mm. that this isn't for them. So, nice. you know, let's say they're business owners, but I want um, accountants, using them as an example again. I can target pr pretty accurately business owners on Facebook, but my ad now needs to just specifically talk to accountants because I don't want a load of people that I can't help clicking on my ad. It's a waste of money. So I would, I would do it in the ad. If I was going to be very, very targeted with it and a, and a really good strategy that we've used for our B2B clients that want to go after a really specific sort of niche group of businesses um, is cold email outreach, believe it or not. It's a really, really good strategy. So um, what we can do, again, we've got access to a very expensive software that we use to get uh, business data on any any business you want really right it's freely available business data obviously business email business phone all of that data is freely available it has to be it's in the public domain we've got a bit of software that a client comes to us and they said yeah 
I need to target accountants. So it's right, great. We're going to this bit of software. We'll get all of the accountancy firms in the UK. We'll get all of the emails from all of the people in those positions. We, we can even target based on position. We just want the directors. We get all of their details. And now we've got to find a way now to target these people. And cold email for these guys, for this, for this type of strategy, works really well. So what we do is we use a, there's, there's a couple of different solutions out there. One's called Lemlist, which is great. Uh, and another one's called Instantly, which is, again, fantastic. You upload this data to Instantly. And what it does is it, it sends this, these emails. So there's a thousand people on this email list. It sends emails to these people from an actual email address that you set up. So, for example, I would set up one that says matt.wilson at immortalmedia.co, for example, right? It's not my actual email address, but it is an actual email address that's attached to my domain. I hope I'm not yeah. confusing you so far. Yeah, no, that's good. What the software does is it drip feeds maybe 10 emails an hour from this email address. Right. Now, what this does is it tricks the um uh the the um the email spam filters into thinking they're genuine emails which effectively they are they go and what that means is that they go straight into the inbox biggest biggest hurdle of email marketing is that no one reads your emails Read inbox, yeah. no one's getting your emails they're all going in the junk folder because the server that's attached to them G gmail knows that that is a bulk email sent whereas this sort of tricks that and then what you do is you write, so these emails come through exactly like a normal email would. And I guarantee you would have had one of these. And you're like, you've, you've had an email from someone. It's like, how did you know my name and my website? And, and you, you believe it's an actual person that sent that email. It's not. They're using a software like this. But it's, but it's laser targeted. So this type of strategy is like laser targeted. So again, just because we're talking about marketing and I run a digital marketing agency doesn't mean that we're limited for our clients via social media platforms and Google and all that sort of stuff. If we need to, we can do the same thing, but via email. And the email is going to be very, very sort of like personal blase. It's not going to be spammy. If we're spammy, if we can get some personalization in there. So, hey, Alexis, I came across your website and you can put that in there because you'll have that data, which makes it very seem very, very real. Just a little, this is what we do. Just wondering if you'd be free to just jump on a call or just reply back to this email or whatever, and you get the conversation started. And the deliverability is pretty much 100%. And the open rates that we see on strategies like this are between 70 and 90%. Oh, wow. So, and you're getting, but, but you now know, the, the, the thing with doing this is you now know with certainty that this is your right audience. So any replies you get back are potential customers because you know their accountants, you know the directors of those accountancy firms because that's the list you've actually no, got. So it's very, you know, yeah, it's, that's a like, cool little strategy for sort of B2B. Yeah, that's 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 cool. And I, I think regard to some extent, regardless of the tactic, the strategy there is is the crucial bit, which is about getting laser focused about who it is and then making that offer and calling them out. And the more specific you are to that and making that offer, the more the easier it is for you to then look at the data and see whether where the gaps are, where the holes are, right? Because I think um yeah, like the the hardest thing would be if you just went really broad and just said, oh, yeah, you know, we provide we provide all services to all businesses come and work with us. 
Yeah. Um, you don't really know what is or isn't working there because you haven't got that clarity, that offer, which I think is absolutely uh, crucial there. One, one of the other challenges, and, and in fact, something that I'll be um, speaking about on stage at EMC is about a, a lot of, um, my experience has been a lot of marketing is about being consistent, doing things consistently well, showing up and getting your message out there and, and so on, rather than, you know, post once on social media <laughs> or, you know, five uh five times for a week and then never again for three months yeah. and often that's hard right is that something that you've experienced with uh with your clients do you do you believe that consistency is critical do you have any advice for maintaining this uh i mean it's a necessity actually for 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 what you're talking about there is like more organic sort of like social growth and things like that youtube channel for example social media if, if you're using it for business, there's zero point in doing it unless you can completely commit to be consistent um, because the algorithms just won't like it. it, it everything becomes pointless, right? It, it's a snowball effect. You know, you've got to be consistent to build up that snowball enough so it starts tumbling down the hill by itself. And if you can't do that, there's no point in sporadically doing it every now and then because it literally has no benefit to you and the channel that you're trying to grow or the page that you're trying to grow or whatever, zero benefit whatsoever. So, you know, unless you're going to be consistent, um, don't bother. And, and, and the way to do that, by the way, because we've done this with our, um, with our YouTube channels, with socials and things like that, and we tell our clients the same thing, the way to do that is to take all of the expectation out of it. Mm. You know, when you're creating content, for example, content marketing, if you've got a uh, expectation of, oh yeah, I'm going to have a thousand subscribers in a month and you end up with five, you, you're, you're very, very beaten up by that, right? And, and human beings aren't designed to take negativity and losses consistently over it. And that's why people quit. So if you go into yeah. zero expectation, oh yeah, after a month, I'm going to have zero subscribers and you end up with five, it's five times more than you expected. And then that's more of a positive reinforcement to carry on going. So you have to, especially for the first year, really, you've got to remove all expectation of anything happening, followers, likes, views, sales, leads, any, anything happening for a year. And if, and if you can say, yeah, even if that doesn't happen, I'm still going to do uh, four posts a week or whatever it is that you decide to get, you, that you, you can comfortably do. By the end of that year, you'll be amazed at what you've achieved in terms of like that, that, that sort of growth. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I completely agree. And particularly with that type of marketing, right? As you say, the content marketing, social media marketing, you have to be able to commit and do it over the long term. Um, and uh, at EMC, I'll be talking about how how to make that possible and how to combine experimentation with consistency and how to leverage AI as part of that and so on. Like, but what, um, are you, can you share perhaps any examples of perhaps clients that, that you've worked with or, or examples from other businesses that you know where either the consistency has worked, but it's taken time or perhaps examples where uh, they haven't been able to con be consistent and what's been the impact of that and, and what you've seen. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple that spring to mind, but like, you know, I, I'll use one. Greg, there's a guy called Greg Seck who runs a big company called Learn to Trade. They're one of the biggest trading training uh, companies in the world. Mm -hmm. And he never had a YouTube channel ever. And I was always on it, but bam, you know, he's been a client of ours for maybe five years now. And um, I'm always on about him to start a YouTube channel. And he just never did. Because again, in his mind, 
he was creating videos and it wasn't actually leading to anything financially, right? And I just basically sold him on the idea. First of all, his competitors that were nowhere near as big as him were had like hundreds of thousands of subscribers because, again, they just do it consistently. And that was generating loads of business and all this sort of stuff. I said, look, mate, let's just do it for a year consistently. Let's do two videos a week, uh, a week, which is quite a lot, but two videos a week for a year. And let's just see where we're at and what um, – and what um, – uh, numbers were at at the end of the year and he did it and he set out to do it and it started growing very very fast in his instance it actually started growing really fast but just over it was just over we missed it by just over 12 months he had over a hundred thousand subscribers on his on his on his youtube channel i think he's like two hundred and fifty thousand now or something like this it was only a couple of years ago um generates 10 20 grand from youtube alone but then also hundreds of thousands a year from that channel through people that are signing up to his stuff, purchasing his stuff and all of that sort of stuff. And that was, again, it was just unparalleled consistency. Two a week on YouTube is actually a lot. He only does one every two weeks now because he's done, he's done the bulk and the brunt of the work and he gets a lot of organic uh, subscribers and stuff now anyway. Because, again, that's the thing. Once that snowball starts going down the hill, it actually takes way less work to keep that momentum going as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that was one that I could think of. Yeah, I, I, that, I, that's a terrific example. And I think, as you say, like in his case, he actually got some of the results. Um, but it's interesting you say about the two a week because it's, it's funny if you look at some of the really big influencers and there's, there's, like, um, there's one that I'm aware of that lives near me, and you look and, you know, they've got millions of you know, tens of millions of subscribers. And um, and yet, uh, when you then look at how often they're doing posting, in some cases, it's maybe a month apart or whatever. And of course, the mistake is to look at that and go, oh, so that's how I build my channel. Whereas, of course, the, the particularly when you first start, you need your frequency needs to be way higher Firstly, to get out there and develop that content, but also so that you can iterate, right? It's a little bit like looping back to what we started off with around how do you make they make this stuff work? You have to be able to iterate on it. And yeah. one video per month or two months does not give you enough frequency for you to be able to work out what works and tweak it and improve it and do a really, really good yeah. job of it. Yeah. You're just not able to, to improve on it, right? And um, have you had any examples where it's gone the other way, where it all started out with the best intentions and then just doesn't carry on? Um, I mean, I mean, probably a lot. Not that I've noticed. But <laughs> yeah. For a fact, lots of my clients have started and then just stopped and then mm. wondered why nothing's happened a year down the line. Well, it's because you stopped. You stopped being consistent and you stopped doing it. That's why. You know, so it's like, they're obviously they way outweigh the, the the ones where it's worked, obviously, but there's nothing to write home about because as most people, I would say, actually, yeah, 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 indeed, cool, well, fantastic, well, thank you, Matt. I mean, um, uh, we're both going to be uh, speaking at Entrepreneurs Marketing Conference uh, in September in Brighton, the UK. Uh, if people want to get a uh, ticket, they can get them at emc2023.com. Uh, and if they use the code Alexis20, they can get 20% off, I believe, which uh, thank you very much, Matt, for, for
for offering that. Yeah, um, no now, problem. hopefully people can make it in person. But if not, how else uh, can our listeners learn more from you? Because your insights are absolutely spot on and I love your approach stuff. So I'm sure lots of people want to learn more. Well, I mean, in all honesty, my best, best, best place to get me is and, and just start, you know, getting into that into that sphere is just follow me on Instagram. Instagram is probably the best place like for it because because i know for a fact that will stand the test of time in terms of this uh this podcast recording so matty wilson m-a-t-y wilson all one word follow me there and 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 then yeah whatever's going on at that time whenever you're listening to this you can um listen to me a bit more fantastic brilliant well thank you so much matt for for joining me uh, i'll make sure i share uh, links in the sh show notes both for uh, emc your instagram and uh, your other sites and so on uh, but really really appreciate it um, and more generally for for people listening you know we've been diving deep on marketing and uh, you'll notice a few of the episodes uh, uh, if you're if you uh, listen to uh, this one which i think is episode 76 you'll notice that a few i think 75 77 and so on uh, around marketing if marketing is currently one of your biggest stress areas, then you're going to love what we've been working well uh, on at Air Manual. Uh, we've been working with top marketing experts and getting input from people like Matt, um, but also working with our, our clients at Air Manual to put together the playbook that your marketing team needs. Everything from employee onboarding checklists to checklists for how to repurpose content for social media, preparing for podcast interviews like this one, uh, to using AI uh, to give you inspiration and, and support you in lead magnet creation and so on. You can get these as soon as each one becomes available by subscribing for our newsletter at www.scalingwithoutstress.com. But otherwise, that's us done for another episode of De-Stress Your Business. As always, we'd love to hear your key takeaways. So please share them on social media, Instagram, etc. like Matt, uh, Matt said, tag us in, even send us a direct message. We'd love to hear it. But otherwise, uh, Matt, thank you once again for your time and for your valuable insights. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, but otherwise, uh, to everyone else listening, to all of our listeners, until next time, have fun.